your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views. And the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com. And owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car toss starting right now. We're so happy you could join us here on Driven Radio. We know your time is valuable, so we work hard to bring you the best in automotive content interviews. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, and I'm here with Shelby Expert Extraordinaire and owner of Vernon Estes Classics, Vern Estes. Oh, I'm here. Yes, you are here. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it's nice that you let everybody yeah. know. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we'll be talking to John Peterson, president of the American Panhard Club. We've got news about a couple of vintage uh, GM uh, dream cars that are going to be on the uh, Concours field coming up. And we also have a little blurb about the Hemmings Classic Car we, uh, Classic Car Magazine mm-hmm. uh, this week. We're our published school. Published an article about our favorite school, McPherson College. And guess what? Our guest last week turned one of our questions into his blog. Imagine that. Yeah, well, Very good. go figure. So uh, let's take a look at what's new in the uh, car world this week. All right. So first off, we got a pair of Jet H General Motors Dream Cars that will fire up the show field at the elegance of Hershey in June. These are those uh, those Motorama cars, Brett. Yeah, they are. Yeah, pretty interesting. They include a 1951 LeSabre and a 1959 Cadillac Cyclone. They'll be on display Sunday, June 9th in the Italian Gardens at the Hotel Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Have you seen these things? Yeah, a few times. The Not Le- in person, though. The LeSabre kind of looks like uh, Harley Earl's Y job from the late 30s, mm-hmm. but a uh, an updated version of it. Still very swoopy, still great big fins, still very cool and kind of elegant. Light blue, right? Uh, you know, the picture had kind of a gray cast to it, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise like a bluish me. tint to it. Yeah. I had a Franklin Mint model of that car growing up. It was one of the very first model cars I ever had. No kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah. No kidding. Was I, great, didn't, yeah, I didn't even know they cars. made one. Yep. And then the uh, the 59 Cyclone, I've seen this on a couple of different specials on TV and in a couple of different YouTube clips. This thing was wild. They did all kinds of cool crap on that. Uh, they... It was all kind of the jet age styling. Uh, they uh, they had a it was a, a bubble canopy that was on it. They had twin nose cones out on the, over the front, uh, big tail fins that uh, were uh, initially great big, and then uh, during one of the car's uh, updates, they shaved them down a little bit. But uh, the tail lights look like afterburners. Mm-hmm. And it, it had a Caddy 390 in it, put out three and a quarter horse, uh, had a three-speed automatic, but it had a two-speed rear end. Yep. So it was a six-speed automatic in yeah, 1959. Pretty yeah, pretty much everything back then was going to be Jet Age inspired or uh, or even space inspired. Oh, it's, you know. And they went a long way on this thing. Uh, they, they had, uh, it had built-in hydraulic jacks for tire changes. Mm-hmm. And just all kinds of really cool stuff. Well, anyway, just, just imagine in terms of the Sabre, imagine a modern manufacturer even trying to make a magnesium body. You couldn't body. build anything like this. Yeah, imagine even trying a magnesium body. I mean, Bugatti tried it in the in the 30s with well, the Aerolith. But what's Motors magnesium cost? That's so extraordinarily expensive. Oh, yeah. 
two and machine it, it also and work catches with, on fire, uh, which and, is and you know, a little bit flammable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that yeah. uh, the Department of Transportation might want to have a little a bit brittle. You. So instead of denting, you'll just end up the body panels will just break. Well, that one's broken. Impact. Chuck it and go get yeah. another one. Yep. So anyway, those are going to be on the uh, on the Concour lawn and at Hershey here coming up pretty quick. And you can visit that at theeleganceathershey.com. We'll have the link on readthedriven.com and a link to the article in Hemmings. Uh, also in Hemmings this week, they, Hemmings Classic Car did a really terrific in-depth article about a place we're going to be next week, mm-hmm. uh, McPherson College and the McPherson College Restoration Program. And they have, first of all, great pictures of all the shops and all the, all the work that's being done there. But they went into the history of the restoration program and how it's transformed over time. And they had really nice things to say about our friend Amanda Gutierrez, and we get to see her next week mm-hmm. too. And it was just a really terrific article, one of the best I've read on the program. And yeah, the program is really just second to none out there. Well, and it's interesting how many enthusiasts, even in the Kansas City area, don't know it's out there. You know, I find myself constantly telling people about it. But they're really they're getting like to be better known, and oh, that's yeah. largely Amanda working on promotion for that program. Uh, they've just done a terrific job, and lots lots more people know about it now than just five or ten years ago. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you know. Granted, they need to be better known. Yeah, a lot, a lot more of your common enthusiasts is starting to know about them, whereas yes. they've been well known among the upper echelon of the classic car world for years and years and years now. I mean, they've always been regarded as the absolute pinnacle of, of restoration programs. Yeah, and part of that, a good chunk of that article was the discussion of how Jay Leno became involved, and he's uh, on their board, but he's also established a couple of uh, uh, scholarships at the school, and it's it's a really cool article through and through, and we'll have the link to that on The Driven also. Now, last week we had Keith Martin on. Yeah. And you and I kind of cornered him. On the GNX sales. On the GNX sales on Bring a Trailer, uh, the 8-mile GNX that went for 200K, and then the other one was what? It was like right, 400 and something. Yeah, it was right just, at 500. just shy of 500, and it went for a buck 30. And he kind of read us the riot act about how it wasn't for him. Yeah, well, how it wasn't for him and why it was ridiculous to have something that low mile because then you couldn't use it and you couldn't do anything with it. And we agreed with him, but that became his blog for sports mm-hmm. car market this yeah. week. And uh, I, I think that he didn't mention us by name because he didn't want to single us out. But he uh, he did make that his blog this week. Sure. And it's kind of interesting what he had to say about it and it was a very similar to what to the answers that he was giving us. Sure. So far as, well, you can't use it, and it's not really a sports car, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, it'll just be in, it, the whole topic is really interesting to talk about just how far a lot of the, everything from late 70s, early 80s, even early 90s, quote-unquote collectible cars, like how far does that go? You know, with a lot of those cars gaining steam in, in the collector market, which obviously there's a generational shift going on. Well, in sure, car absolutely. But at the same time, there's also only so many cars for collectors to buy and only so many collectors to buy them, uh, so to speak. So you just you just wonder, you know, how far something like a Grand National, let alone a GNX, is going to go at some point. I don't know, man. This can't be the last $200,000 GNX we'll ever see. No, it see. can't be. I just, I look at that and I think two hundred and ten grand for a GNX or you know, one of the best restored 67 GT500 in the world. And I think I'd, 
think I'd well, I know what I know which direction you're going to you go. Know? But there's a lot of stuff that for that kind of money you can get that I think is sort of. Hey, I'm going to go car, look hey, for each his own. I'm going to go look for a mid-year big block Corvette ragtop. You get a real good one. I get one of the best in the world for that kind of money. Have your pick of colors, your pick of options, and a lot of. And a or lot you could of spend ways. half that money, get something you could go drive, and take the other half and go do something fun with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So or buy seven cars to go drive. <laughs> you buy an awful lot of ragtop Mustangs for two hundred ten k. Coming up this week, we're going to have uh, John Peterson on. He's president of the American Panhard Club. He's also a tour director for the National Auto Museum in Reno, Nevada. We'll talk to John about his fascination with rare European cars, working around classics at the National Auto Museum, and what it's like to have Jay Leno for a friend. Apparently, Jay bought a Panhard on John's recommendation. We'll have all this and more coming up on Driven Radio. Hey, welcome back to Driven Radio, the best car sounds this side of an air-cooled Porsche. This week, our special guest is John Peterson. John is uh, president of the Panhard Club of America. He's also uh, been a tour director for the National Auto Museum in Reno, Nevada. Uh, and he's been described, now, John, you'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you who said this later, been described as the Panhard King of America. John grew up in the <laughs> 50s all over the U.S. and Europe. He loved American cars of that era, but while living in Germany in the early 60s, he saw a lot of unfamiliar cars and kind of came in, became intrigued with a number of foreign cars. His first car was a 57 Renault Do, uh, Dauphine, and uh, from there he went on to owning a number of Citroëns, Peugeots, Panhards, as well as a number of Japanese, Swedish, and German cars. John's been the president of the American contingent of the Worldwide Panhard Club since 1990, He's also been a tour guide at the world-famous National Auto Museum in Reno, and he's been involved with these strange cars, uh, even helped connect Jay Leno with his Panhard and helped him with the restoration. John, welcome to Driven Radio. Uh, thank you, Brett. appreciate being on and being able to uh, share some uh, useless information that won't change <laughs> anybody's lives, but it's uh, fun to be in these weird cars, as you know. Uh, it's a way we all connect about well, these things. You never know. There may be a Panhard fan out there who is just looking for somebody to guide them through the the abyss that is uh, Panhard knowledge. Uh, what first spurred your love for cars, John? Uh, well, growing up, my dad uh, uh, was into all kinds of weird cars in the 50s. He had Kaiser Frasers and Hudsons and, and uh, Austins and all kinds of strange stuff, as well as a uh, 51 Mercury. And, Ooh. and, uh, I just, you know, had the eye for all these weird cars. I mean, of course, everybody loves 57 Chevys and Porsches and Corvettes and stuff, but it's these oddball ones that really, uh, you know, fired up something inside me. So what is it about French cars that you found so endearing? Well, as you said, um, I have this background with French cars. I lived in Germany from 1963 to 1967, I was a early young teenager, and uh, of course, the bug for, you know, the uh, itching for having my own car was uh, just a few years away, and and saw all these weird cars, you know, one-cylinder Messerschmitts and BMW Isettas, and of course Citroens and Panards, and you know, we saw Volkswagens here, but none of that other stuff. So uh, when I came back from uh, being in the army. 
um, I started dabbling in Citrons at first, and then a couple of Peugeots and Renaults, and and then now I'm just settled down with just Panards and Citrons, and they're just so weird. But knowing the car and knowing the history of them is what really makes them uh, pretty appealing to me, and I, of course, don't hold back, and I share that with anybody that's willing to listen. So... French cars in the U.S. are a little bit odd. They're, you certainly don't see them very often. How many French cars have you owned? Uh, I've owned probably 25 French cars, and uh, it's it's an addiction. You know, it's kind of like I could quit at any time, but I just don't want to quit, you know. <laughs> uh, for the uninitiated, can you give us a short history of Panard and Citroën? Yes, sir. Uh, Citroën started a hundred years ago this year, 1919, right after World War One. Andre Citroën uh, was a munition maker in France that helped turn the tide to uh, win World War One. You know, we contributed a little bit too, but he really uh, took over this factory that made, went from making like a hundred uh, artillery shells a day to like 10,000 a day. I mean, it was just incredible. They were they were turning maybe not 10,000, but they were making lots big improvement in production. And after the war was over, the French government couldn't pay him, so they gave him the factory. And from there, he went on and made cars that pretty much just blew people away. Citroën advertised. He had skywriting. He had beautiful women scantily clad, you know, stretching across his cars. Uh, he was friends with uh, famous uh, movie stars. He just did all kinds of promotions. Uh, he was so good to employees. He had a credit union. He had daycare centers for the women that worked in the factory. I mean, he was—he just blew people away. There, other makers were going, "What is this guy doing?" And of course, he threw the book away on whatever he designed. The stuff he made was probably from another galaxy, another time and space. Cars, these cars in the '50s that carried his legend—hydraulic suspension cars that floated down the road like magic carpets. I've had 12 of those and called DSs, and they're just crazy cars. And then Panard goes back even further. They, were, they participated in the first car race in the world, June 11, 1895. And after that race, because it had been advertised in newspapers around the world, a race from Paris to Bordeaux and back to Paris, 720 miles, and a Panard won. It uh, only went up to 700 RPM, four horsepower motor, but it did 18 <laughs> oh miles an hour. Just crazy, just crazy stuff. But people weren't interested in the beginning having, you know, having a car. Why would you do that? They're dangerous and clumsy, and they're, it doesn't protect you from the elements. But because of that race, it got people fired up. And that's kind of the, the real core history of Panhard. We're talking with John Peterson, president of the United, uh, the American Panhard Club. Uh, John, what are some of the trademark models that people would recognize from either Panhard or Citroen or both? You mentioned that you've had several DSs, and I think when people think of Citroen, either that or a 2CV is the, what commonly comes to mind. What else did they make? Well, Citroen uh, owned Maserati for a couple of years right during the so-called energy crisis of the early 70s. And they made a car with the Maserati engine, their body, their, uh, I believe their transmission, but hydraulic suspension. And it's been in a number of movies. And that's really probably where most Americans might be familiar with Citroens, 
because they've been in these weird movies and you just kind of, people look at him and go, what is that? Like The Longest Yard with the movie with Burt Reynolds. Oh, yeah. He trashes one in the very beginning and drives it right into uh, a river, whatever it was, and lets the thing sink. Um, <laughs> Back to the Future, the second movie of Back to the Future had a Citroen DS that flew. It was one of the flying taxis. I want one of those. <laughs> and and uh, panards are just so obscure you really have to know a little bit about car history to understand pan arts. Today, people that make up uh, real hot uh, sports cars or, you know, like uh, track cars and stuff, they use a suspension called the panard rod, and that came from pan arts. And how is that suspension set up? Well, it really simplifies the whole thing as far as the way the geometry of the rear suspension works. And it's just uh, the go-to suspension for these guys that are building up their own custom stuff because it's real simple and it works really well. It's very efficient. So of the panhards, which panhards have you owned? I've had uh, basically the model that's called a PL-17, Panard Lavasseur, and it has 17 as a designation. It's one, you know what it looks like? It looks like a bathtub upside down. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember like Studebakers where you couldn't tell if they were going forwards or backwards? Well, that's kind of how this car looks. It's kind of goofy. But my cars have the PL17s have a 60 horsepower. You can have a smaller 40 horsepower or the 60. I have the 60 horsepower. Hear that, Vern? 60 that whole horsepower in yeah, one that's, place. That's a lot of horses. 60 horsepower. But because they're light and the way they're geared, you can do over 90 miles an hour. You ready to trade off your Shelbys now? Yeah, I once had a 1952 uh, Nash Rambler wagon. It was a two-door, <laughs> five-seat wagon, and it also had 60 horsepower, except it was heavy. So it, it did not go 90 yeah. miles an hour. It was 65 yeah. miles an hour downhill with a tailwind. So. <laughs> so what is it about the PL-17 that is so unique? Well, it... What actually makes it uh, desirable in this country as well as over in Europe, but more so here, is parts are prevalent, parts are numerous. Really? Um, I help the guys in the club with manuals. I've helped translate stuff out of French because I don't speak French. I speak German, but I don't speak French very well. enough. Actually, I speak French enough to get into trouble. And uh, uh, so I've found some people that have helped translate stuff, and it just makes things available. There are a few special tools you need for these silly little two-cylinder engines. And uh, I'm in the process of building up a couple engines just with all the extra parts I have in my garage and get those out to a couple of my members who said they wanted an engine. And uh, so anyway, the PL-17 becomes becomes something that isn't, you know, uh, like we say in car collecting, that car is made out of unobtainium. Yes. You know, where there's no way you can get the parts. These parts are available. So that, you know, it's not like, well, I bought it and it's sitting in the backyard, you know, ready to go back into the earth. You know, at least you can do something. You can drive them. They're comfortable to drive. So is a PL-17 what you own now? Yeah, I actually have three in my backyard. No kidding. Yeah. Um, Because they they were imported in the 60s, and 1960 was their best year for the whole company after World War II. 
they were even before World War II, they were a low production car company. They didn't make high volume. But after World War II, they basically made small cars with motorcycle motors. You know, 60 horse. I mean, even Harleys today have over 100 horsepower. Sure. Absolutely. Know, on motorcycle. We're. We're speaking with John Peterson, president of the uh, American Panhard Club, and also tour guide of the America of the National Auto Museum in Reno, Nevada. When we come back, we'll talk to John about the club and some of the other club members of note, and uh, some of the things that have gone on at the National Auto Museum. We'll be right back with this and much more on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, the sweetest smelling car podcast anywhere. We're speaking with John Peterson, president of the American Panhard Club and tour director of the, at the National Auto Museum in Reno, Nevada. When we left, John was telling us about some of the Panhards he's owned. And uh, we had just asked you about what other unusual cars you've had, John. What outside of Panhards have you owned? Well, I have really, I mean, the Panhards are weird enough. But I've had many Citroëns uh, from a model called Attraction Avant. If you've ever seen a movie that's uh, based of, uh, in uh, France in World War II where the Nazis have confiscated the Frenchmen's cars, that's the cars that I've, I've had a couple of those. Of course, a smattering of DSs uh, and lots of 2CVs and variations, those other silly cars that Citroën made with 30-horsepower engines. Uh, I like telling people that we used to have a bumper sticker that we could get through the club. You could put it on the back of your 2CV. It said, zero to 60 in the same day. (laughs) (laughs) That seems about right. You know, and and speed is all relative, you know, because uh, it's really how much fun and smile you have on your face as you're driving the cars. I think that's what really counts. Um, But I've had Audis and a couple of American cars, but just, weird oddball stuff that uh you know just life is too short not to drive interesting cars i say absolutely as far as having a car that had low horsepower there's a reason that there's that car guys have the mantra more fun to drive a slow car fast than it is to drive a fast car slow sure so uh, exactly no harm in having something that maybe doesn't have all the power in the world you can still take out and have a good time so You've been the president of the Panhard Club since 1990. That's a pretty long run. Tell us about the club. Well, the club started actually in the 50s, in the early 50s. A man who just passed away about two weeks ago, his name is Andre Garnier, and he was a Frenchman that came over to the States after World War II. And he started working on French cars, and he lived in Buffalo, New York, and then ended up moving down to Florida to a little town called Claremont. Florida, and he just passed away the, the anniversary date of a French car show that he started many years ago. So what a, you know, it just brings a, a goose pimples, you know, thinking about how the timing of that, what a, what a coincidence. He passed away on that same day. But he started the club, and then it kind of went by the wayside for a few years, and I ended up picking it up in 1990, and it's one of those things I thought, I want to join the club and learn about what the cars were all about. They were intriguing to me. 
And the more, it's kind of like the more I scratched the surface, the more I learned and the more interested I was in the cars. We have about 85 members right now in the club, ranging from people all over the United States, Canada, South America, South Africa, Australia, and we have that noted car collector, Mr. Jay Leno. He's also a member and a great guy. I've met him quite a few times. I'm on a video on YouTube with him. If you on Jay Leno's uh, garage, I watched that. Jay Leno garage. If you go to YouTube, Jay Leno garage, Panhard, P-A-N-H-A-R-D. I'm in that video for 25 minutes with him, and I talked to him about two weeks ago because I do various talks at organizations here. People say, "You know Jay Leno," and I get up and blab away for whatever time they give me. And I talk about what a great guy he is and a very, very knowledgeable guy about cars. And he's just really fun to know. What's it like shooting with Jay Leno? I mean, walk us through the entire experience because I'm sure lots of car guys out there would love to have that experience. Well, uh, he called me the Monday before we were going to do the shoot, do the video. And he said, come on down, you know, we're going to do this. And I said, that's fine, man, I'll be there. And uh, uh, very, very accommodating, wanted me to fly down. And I said, no, no, I'll drive a car because I need a car of my own. And he uh, just was so thankful. I mean, he called me every day before I went down. He wanted to make sure I didn't bail out. And uh, there was an entire film crew there with about three cameras. And they do uh, the beauty shots and do that while we're sitting in the back talking and pretty much as you can tell i've got the gift of gab and uh we shot it in one long shoot and we went for a drive in the car and uh still just what a great experience and he's so congenial to be with what a great guy but he won't laugh at my jokes <laughs> i try to tell him jokes and he won't laugh at least you laugh i'm guessing that's the downfall of having a conversation with a comedian I guess, yeah. He's a professional. I'm not. So while you're there and they're doing the beauty shots, what are you talking about? Uh, what we're going to have for lunch. Uh, maybe there's somebody we know in common in the car. Because, well, you know, I'm, most of your people that I'm sure listen to your podcast, they're two or three people away from knowing, you know, 50,000 other people. Because we're all connected to this sure. crazy, addictive thing called automobiles. Well, uh, and... We all seem to network uh, in, in pursuit of all of our uh, automotive passions. So, yeah, exactly. I, I I can understand that. So you did it in one long shot, but while they're setting up, is he walking you through his collection, or uh, what? What is that like? Uh, it is amazing. He, I when I spoke to him about three weeks ago because I was going to do a talk week after that. He told me he has 186 cars Gee. and 164 motorcycles. He <laughs> has the largest collection of gruff superiors in the world. Yeah, Gruff superiors and Vincent's were the bike, were the motorcycle that were the pre, the preferred bike of T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, yes, they were. Yeah. And uh, it's just so cool. He's yeah. Those amazing. bikes now have their own room in his collection, like their own kind of like wing in the hangar now. I was, yeah. I was watching a little tour video last night of his collection, actually, and just a whole room of rough superiors. Just a beautiful yeah. motorcycle. Yeah, I've, I've seen some Vincents, but I've never been able to get close to a rough superior. I'd really like to. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. So 
You get to spend an entire day with him, and he has a PL-17, correct? Yes. Uh, When you watch the video, he asks me, do I know uh, the history of the car and the the owner he bought the car from? And I said, I know two owners before the guy that he bought the car from. I mean, these these things are just such a closed circuit, you know, tight-knit group. Uh, you can't help but know who had which car on what day, what happened to it, who sold it to who, you know, and how it went through the chain, you know, the chain of ownership kind of a thing. So when I've he been got... down there five times. What's that? Oh, uh, no, go right ahead. Finish what you were saying. No, and I've been down there, and the guys in the shop are wonderful, and I've been very lucky to uh, pretty much when I get down there, they just give me the run of the place. And, of course, I totally respect, you know, and I'm honored that they let me do that. And uh, uh, it's, you know, I, I again, I pinch myself, you know, being able to say I know Mr. Leno. He's pretty cool, cool guy, cool car guy. When he got the car, was it in good shape and good mechanical and cosmetic shape, or did it need some restoration? It needed some TLC. Uh, I What I did was I had heard, again, through the grapevine, someone told me that he was going to get this car, that, the car that's in the video. And uh, so I had called. There's kind of a longer story there, but keep it short for now. I called down to the shop and offered my services, my connection with whatever he need needed. He called me back about 15 minutes later. He called me every day that week. He called <laughs> me the next week. Pretty soon, I was telling my wife, there's this guy that's stalking me, and he does a Jay Leno impersonation. But it really is Jay Leno. And uh, he's just been wonderful, really appreciated all the help I could give him. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. We all help each other in this thing. That's very cool. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, how'd you wind up working for the National Auto Museum? Well, living here in Reno, uh, we have the Harris Casinos, which were started by William F. Hara, Bill Hara, in the late 40s. And when he started raking in the money, his passion was automobiles. He felt that the automobile was the single most important invention in the 20th century. He was able to collect, when he died, Uh, June 30, 1978, he had over 1,400 cars, complete cars. Wow. He had a complete restoration shop. He had the second largest collection of automobile literature in the world. And his plan was to build Harris World, which was kind of like a gearhead's Disneyland. It was going (laughs) to consist of four buildings. Each building uh, had in it, uh, it represented the four countries. Each building represented a country of the four countries that helped start the automobile industry. The United States, Britain, Germany, and France because of the Panards. Oh, okay. So that's the connection. But he died. He died having open-heart surgery, and Holiday Inn took over, and they ended up selling off all but 175 cars, which people were just begging a museum to be created and it started 30 years ago this year, this November. And I've been a member for 28 years. Goodness. So it was a natural fit for me to be a tour docent there. Very, very cool. We've been talking with John Peterson. He's the president of the American Panhard Club. He's also a docent at the National Automotive Museum. John can be reached at John 
at panhardusa.com. You can find him on Facebook. .org. .org. .org, pardon me. .org. Uh, you can yeah. find him on Facebook, and the uh, the link's too long to read it here. I'll just put <laughs> it up on our website. Uh, you can also find uh, the Panhard Club at www.panhardusa.org. Find them through their Facebook page at Panhard USA. And all of these links will be up on readthedriven.com. Thank you so much for being on Driven Radio, John. We have more stuff to talk Thank about. You. We'll have to have you back. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Coming up next on Exit Lane Live, we've got a truckload of events coming up the next few weekends and a very special one that Vern and I will be at along with our photographer, Buddy Ped Watt. Uh, and we got a little bit of stuff to talk about. There's an awful lot there. All this and more coming up on Driven Radio. Do we have a ton of car shows, cruises, and events coming up the next few weeks? If you love cars and you're listening to the, and if you're listening to this, you probably do, you'll have no trouble finding something to do. It's quite a list. So uh, let's get started. April 27th, we got in Kansas City, Kansas, the Our Lady of Unity School 7th Annual Car Show. It's a truck and cycle show, also. Um, they're at 2646 South 34th. Um, registrations from 8 to 12. Plenty of awards, entry fees, 30 bucks. Uh, looks like they got free T-shirts for the first 50 entries, uh, free dash plaques for the first 100 entries, and it all benefits Our Lady of Unity Car School, or Our Lady of Unity Car School, Our Lady of Perpetual Motion. Our Lady of Unity School got a 50-50 drawing, live music, and food. Pinewood Derby race for 5th through 8th grade OLU students in the basement. Rain or shine, and we will have the email for that on readthedriven.com. April 27th, Olathe, Kansas, the Autism Awareness Car Show at the Sonic Drive-In, 915 South Parker, 2 p.m. to 9 p.m. Free will donation for entry. Questions or comments may be directed to Glenn Dix, D-I-X, at 913-744-8811. April 27th seems to be a fairly popular day in Stillwell, Kansas. We got unnaturally aspirated spring car show. Now, does that mean that actually you cannot have a naturally aspirated car show? Or is that I don't just, know are what they just it playing means. around with that? I, I it would don't be have actually idea. fairly interesting if that was actually the case. I, I'm going to show uh, up with Vlad and see what they say. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then $25 a day at the day of the show. Uh, outer ring parking is free. Uh, it's a joint charity event. And... Uh, Supports the Kansas City region of the Sports Car Club of America with race car ride-alongs. There you go. Oh, cool. Uh, the link for that, again, on readthedriven.com. April 28th, hey, the next day, Raytown, Missouri, Dick Smith Ford Spring REAP Benefit Cruise uh, Cruise-In Car Show, 9505 East 350 Highway, 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 in the afternoon, weather permitting. Participants are asked to bring canned, boxed, or paper goods to help support Raytown Emergency Assistance Program. If you have any questions, call the dealership at 816-353-1495 and talk to Jeff Lewis at Extension 217. Yeah, that's a car show I've been to a, to a few times. There's have always you? some fairly interesting stuff that shows up. I mean, it's always it's always surprising what sort of unusual Ford-powered stuff will show up at that show. Well, it sounds like a cool one to hit, and it sounds like a good, uh, good program they're trying to uh, help out there. 
Yep, absolutely. Then April 28th in uh, St. Joe, got a car show benefit for the missing and endangered in Northwest Missouri with Knuckle Draggers Car Club Awareness Campaign. There's a new location at the East Hill Shopping Center at 3702 Frederick Avenue. Starts at noon, goes to 5 p.m., there will be a bounce house. Hey, Brett, finally something you can do at a car show. <laughs> there are games, enchiladas, my favorite, shaved ice, cotton candy, kettle corn, funnel cakes, and much more. How much more could there possibly be? Do you think that? they'll let the other kids bounce around in the bounce house with me, or they're just going to let me do it by myself? Oh, boy. I think I think all the parents will be screaming and running towards the yeah, bounce house I'm, if they see you going. it. There will be trophies, dash plaques, 50-50 drawing, event shirts, and merchandise. It's a public event by the Good Sam Club and Knuckle Draggers Car Club. Over 25 vendors as well. Registration's 15 bucks. Vendors is $25. That sounds like a good time, man. Yeah, because of the bounce house for you. Well, you know, they, they bounce house and enchiladas. What doesn't go together better yeah, than what, a bounce what house What could and possibly go wrong yeah, loading not, kids up with enchiladas and cotton candy and then oh, putting them in a bounce house? Not, not nothing. I see a lot of car cleaning going up the day after that sucker. Uh, May 3rd through the 5th in Lawrence, Kansas, it's a 56th annual AACA swap meet at the Douglas County Fairgrounds. That's a quarter mile north of East 23rd on Harper Street. Advanced registration deadline is March. Well, we missed that one. That's gone. So it's going to be $40 per space both days, $50 at the gate, at the gate, automotive and related items only. There will be a women's world flea market. Can I just say that... I think everybody should make a point to go to as many swap meets as they can simply absolutely. because they're dying. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, eBay is boring. I mean, I love eBay, but eBay is not a swap meet. No, and you go to a swap meet, you get to see stuff that you wouldn't normally find. Expose you to different stuff. Yeah, you get well, you pick up passions there. That's where I got the passion for literature. I just bought it at a swap meet one day and off I went. Well, who knows? You might run into that left-handed fingernail clipper with your state bird and motto on it you've been looking for. May third <laughs> in Topeka, the twentieth annual car show at Washburn Tech, fifty-seven twenty-four Southwest Huntoon, nine to nine a.m. to two thirty in the afternoon. Antiques, cars, trucks, muscle cars, customs, lowriders, motorcycles, and spe- special interest vehicles. Uh, you can find it at www.washburntech.edu or find the link on readthedriven.com. May 4th in Atchison, we got a street rod, rat rod, hot rod, cruising, and show. All the rods. Uh, it's at River Road. You got to enter at 2nd and Commercial Street. It goes from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's $20 to enter. Registrations from 9 to 10 a.m. Trophies and kids' activities. You got to call Zach Wolf at 913-426-3002 or email wolfscreenprints at gmail.com for more information. Let's see here. Wow, we got a lot of stuff on here, man. Where did this all come from? <laughs> Everybody's wanting to get May out and, and do 4th stuff. They're popular days for car Yeah, shows. they certainly are. And uh, we've got a, a bunch of them coming up. Uh, May 4th, Overland Park, the fourth annual Everything on Wheels Car and Bike Show at Shawnee Mission West High School, 8800 West 85th Street, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., $20 entry fee, and this event supports the Shawnee Mission West Marching Band. May 5th, we got in Merriam, Kansas, the seventh annual All Corvette Show. I wanted to be able to read this one simply because Brett has, he thinks that I don't like Corvettes, which is not true. No, so I, know I figured it for I would, fact. no, I figured I would just, you know, Give you a little bit of an enjoyment by me reading the Corvette sure. one. It said Hendrick Chevrolet at 8300 Shawnee Mission Parkway. Pre-registration is $35, $40 after April 21st. Registrations from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Awards at 
50-50 drawing and lunch is provided by Hendrick Chevrolet. So oh, they're going to provide lunch. lunch. That's yeah. pretty cool. Tough to beat that. Uh, May 5th, Pleasant Hill, Missouri, Pleasant Hill Railroad Days Car Show, downtown on 1st Street, registration from 9 to 11 a.m., $15, uh, show is from 10 to 3, giveaways, dash plaques for the first 100 entries, a 50-50 drawing, and proceeds benefit uh, Pleasant Hill Historical Society and Museum. Call or text John at 816-808-3285 for more information. Then May 5th in Smithville, Missouri, we got the 45th annual KCCA Kindred Corvette Kindred hey, Chevrolet you got two Corvette, Corvette shows show. in a row. Yeah, what is going on right now? There's a new location at 1105 South 169 Highway. The show's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., rain or shine. Corvettes only in red print. <laughs> in red print on the typed up. Corvettes yeah. only. Yes. You should have put it in all caps, too. Registration's $25 by May 1st, $30 after. Contact Alan Parsons at 816 214 0792 for more information. Okay, and then finally. Corvettes only, Brett. Cor- hey, I looked for Shelby-only shows. There weren't any. Yeah. There just weren't They're any. Too rare. Uh, finally, the reason we won't be attending any of the other May 3rd through May 5th shows or events is because we will be at the 20th annual McPherson College Cars Club Motoring Festival and Swap Meet. There you go. There's a swap meet for you, buddy. There you go. Uh, Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and 4th in McPherson, Kansas, 1600 East Euclid Street for the McPherson College. Uh, So when we go down there, um, the keynote speaker at the college on Friday evening is Donald Osborne, uh, somebody that we're both wanting to see. Mm -hmm. But also Friday evening, they've got an impromptu informal car show downtown on Main. And they just block off two blocks of Maine. It's whatever you got, bring it out. Uh, no judging or anything else. Just come down and see what's available or what's out there. And it's a great time to talk to everybody and see what they got. And then the next morning, starting at 8 at the college, is the big car show. And they had – McPherson is not a very big school. Uh, I think their total student body is around 650 people. They had over 400 entries at their car show last mm-hmm. year, and it just fills the campus. And it's really cool, and it's a whole lot better than you would think for just a simple Central Kansas car show. So really looking forward to that. Can't wait to get down there. And, uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I get to drag you and Ped with me. Do they have that. any cold beer in McPherson? Yes, they do. Okay, good. Yes, they do. You know, it's Central Kansas. There's not a lot else to do. So looking forward to that one. All the links and details for all these events can be found on readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook at forward slash Driven Radio Show, on Twitter at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Vern Estes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Driven Radio.